Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm your host, Simone de... No, no, no. I'm your host, <laughs> Christina Warren. Simone de Rochefort is under the weather. Uh, she was a trooper and actually did last week's show with us while she was sick. And um, uh, this this week, she, she could not do it. So uh, my name is Christina Warren. I'm a senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft. And I am joined this week by the one and only uh, space cat gal, Brianna Wu, <laughs> a Democratic uh, candidate for Congress. Anymore. Yeah, no, I was going to no. say, uh, so Space I'm Cat not. Gal is gone. Um, dead. Dead. Yes. I mean, I assume you're, 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 you're keeping like the handle so no one else can take it and do terrible yeah. things with it. Yeah, that would be a really bad week if that uh, yeah. got into the hands of, uh, if that got into the hands of the alt-right. But yeah, my campaign sat me down and they're like, look, Brie, you're running for Congress. You got to switch over to a professional username. And I'm like, ah, all right. So, you know, I worked with Twitter and they uh, let me have Brianna Wu. So I'm very nice. happy about that. But I'm sad because I feel like it hurts my gamer cred. Do you know what I mean? I'm that totally much closer do. to another I, boring politician. So I, I, I totally understand. So I was curious. So because I don't know how this works. Like when so when you want to switch your handle um, because you're verified, did you just like reach out to Twitter directly? Like what did you do in, tw- in order to to get the handle and like to switch things over without um, the problem. Well, I mean, that's the issue, right? Because if you just change it, you lose your verification. Right. So yeah, Twitter was nice enough. I reached out to them and they, um, they worked with me on that. The old uh, Brianna Wu account was actually started during Gamergate <laughs> when someone like grabbed that handle and started tweeting all kinds of horrible things uh, in my name. So uh, Twitter was really great at reaching out to me and um, they helped us out a lot. So yeah, there it is. Like I, I, I gotta, I have to, I have to step it up. Uh, the professional Brianna Wu uh, Twitter <laughs> handle, but you will always be a space cat gal to us, and uh, right. we will always know, and listeners of the show will always know um, that that you know um, the campaign can only do so much, Brie. They can only <laughs> they can only make you so much of an adult, um, right? Right. It, we'll always have Rocket to be a kindergartner on this every is, single week. So. This is true. This is true. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, so we're going to talk about uh, a, a number of things this week. Oh, I forgot to say this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. Thank you, Pingdom. Uh, we, I will be reading that ad spot uh, later on in the show. But um, we have a... You know, it's weird. Usually the week of Thanksgiving um, in the United States, which is when we're recording this, is one of those dead zone times in tech news. <laughs> like it's usually there's not a lot happening because and if there is stuff happening, it's like deals, right? Like it, it, it's all about like uh, consumerism and capitalism. But this week, and actually it hit um, in true rocket fashion last week um, uh, that, you know, right after we recorded the show, the New York Times released a bombshell. And I mean bombshell story about Facebook. And let me actually just find the the headline for a second because it is so... I mean, it goes in for the New York Times. and Yeah, I mean, the New York Times is like the old gray lady, right? Like they don't usually do like BuzzFeed style headlines. This one was hardcore. Yeah, this headline, I'm going to read it. Delay, deny, and deflect how Facebook's leaders fought through crisis. (laughs) So if you translate that from like New York Times, that's basically F you. Oh, I mean, I mean, just when I I saw it, I knew it was going to be like one of those massive stories. A, there's one, two, three, four, five bylines on the story. (laughs) It's a massive story. There are five bylines. I mean, it is, it is, it is uh, thousands of words. Um, There's also, uh, yeah, I mean, this, 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 I actually have to do a word count now because this is just, let me just see. Uh... I'm I'm gonna guess that this, this is probably a three thousand word story. Yeah, yeah. Um let's see. Jim, we're gonna wanna edit this. What time <laughs> is this on the show notes? What 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 time does your it's four thirty for me? Four thirty, okay. So I'm gonna put that in there. So, all right. So I just pulled this up. Uh, it, 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 listeners, I will be honest. This took me way too long to get the word count on this story. It is six, <laughs> it is sixty three hundred words. Oh my god! 
Yeah. So for the New York Times, I mean, this is like one of those, I mean, I don't know how many, because I don't get a print newspaper anymore. I have no idea how many pages this took up in the paper. Uh, But this is a massive story. And basically, the gist of the story is um, kind of going through the last um, year or so about the crises that have been happening within Facebook, basically starting with, uh, you know, the revelations um, that, uh, you know, going back to even before it was it was discovered that, that uh, there was Russian interference um, with Facebook um, during the election, um, the various crises over, uh, you know, the claims of, fa- of fake news, the Cambridge Analytica scandal, and other things. And this is just a damning, damning damning story about Facebook. Um, it, it goes into... Uh, it really makes uh, Mark Zuckerberg look bad, but it really makes Sheryl Sandberg... Uh, it destroys uh, it, her Yeah, I mean, it branding. honestly makes her look uh, terrible. And, and I feel bad. I mean, I don't feel bad for her, but... I, right. I, you know, so this was my thought on this. Um, you know, when Lean In came out, I read that book. Mm-hmm. And the first chapter of it is talking about how... Cheryl didn't understand uh, what pregnant women needed at work until she herself was pregnant and then gave a story about helping a woman in her office who was pregnant. It was like an empowering story about women helping out other women. So I read it and I'm like, okay, this is a solid book. And then I got deeper into it and I'm like, well, that's kind of privileged, but you know, this is, this is a solid book overall. She's giving her perspective on what she thinks would be helpful for other women in tech to know. I generally err on the side of, you know, supporting women speaking their truth. She got a ton, a ton of blowback from that. Um, I yeah. had a really good friend of mine. They wrote a book called Lean Out, mm-hmm. which was like the opposite of that. And totally. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, it, it's interesting yeah. because in a very brief period of time, um, I think that like Sheryl Sandberg is one of those figures where you know she's one of the rare uh, kind of like Gen X um, really successful women in business, right? Yep. Like she yep. was she she was really successful at Google. She came to Facebook very early on. She's been there for for uh, you know over a decade. She was basically you know kind of seen as the first adult hire. She is second in command, but as most you know write-ups about her have kind of written, she was the one who really helped you know um mold Zuck into being CEO and to being a leader because when she joined the company, they didn't have anybody who really knew what they were doing. And so she's you know been uh, you know leading their business side and she's been in a lot of ways, I think probably one of the most visibly successful, like, you know, female, like women in business, women in tech, even though she doesn't have the title of CEO, you know, she uh, has been hugely important. But I think you're right. Yeah, it's like you said, she's seen as the adult in the room. So before this, she has really been, I mean, I've never met her personally, but it's like, she's one of these people that's like one circle removed from everyone I know. Do you know what I mean? And I will be honest with you, this time rang for United States Congress, I had intended to use connections and eventually connect to her and Absolutely. see if uh, she would support me. Right. And now, and, now and it's going to be more difficult. Comes out, no, I'm not going to, I mean, I wouldn't I, feel comfortable w- w- with it. Yeah. I, I understand that. I think I could understand why for some people that might be difficult just because, you know, she has strong, so she was, before she worked to Google, she uh, worked for uh, the Clinton administration and she has ties on that end in, in politics. You know, she used to be in DC before she moved to Silicon Valley. Uh, and she was, it was widely considered that if, that if Hillary Clinton won, um, she was on a short list of people who would be, you know, given a cabinet position. So, um, which I think just uh, makes uh, th- these uh, revelations in some ways more damning. Um, just because, to me, it, it indicates a person going against their personal politics, um, all in the name of, of for political of, expediency, absolutely, or for the business, yeah, rather, absolutely. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Going against your per- personal values, ideologies, um, all, all in, in, in making you know Facebook as strong as possible. Um, yeah. but, 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 so I, but, let's but, talk about what it is actually that uh, came out in this story, yeah. just so listeners know in case they didn't read it. So some of the most shocking things that came through this was uh, they hired, uh, after Trump was elected, Facebook made a decision to hire uh, more Republican uh 
you know, basically, would you call them PR people? Republican uh, operatives, uh, basically. Republican operatives, yeah. re- Republican uh, consultants, I guess, would be sure. probably the, the word and, lobbyist almost. Yeah, I don't have an issue with that, no. right? Like, Facebook's got to work both sides of the aisle. I get that. But the people that they hired and whose reports crossed Sheryl Sandberg's de- desk specifically went after critics of Facebook and smeared them as connected to George Soros using a lot of anti-Semitic tropes, really going after them with, you know, some very anti-Semitic, uh, you know, plays that yeah. we've seen regularly from one party in this country, um, which is, you know, it's pretty hypocritical for someone on the right. There was also... Um, it, we should know, note at this point yeah. that both Marth, Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg are Jewish, which yes. um, in, in, it doesn't absolve any of this. And in some ways, again, I mean, almost makes it that much worse. Yeah. Uh, I think I will leave that up to people that are Jewish to judge them. Uh, I'm fair, not going to comment on that. Uh, fair, fair but, enough. I, yeah, but maybe yeah. worse is the wrong thing, but, but it should be noted that this is this is one of those things where they're hiring people who are, yeah, uh, going against It's certainly another dynamic. It's Definitely. certainly another dynamic to consider. The other thing is Sheryl Sandberg's role with uh, Russia and uh, the investigation for their influence uh, in the 2016 election. And one of the, the big consistent things that you see in the story. Sheryl Sandberg really playing it down, mm-hmm. not wanting to hear it. Her main concern being how it affects her and her brand and Facebook. Yep. And really, for someone that you know pretends to be, well, well or at least had a reputation for being in the Democratic Party, this really, really makes her look bad and yeah. not particularly reputable. I mean, what was your thought about that? Yeah, no, I mean, so, I mean, the the, the story was just so detailed and, and which at this point, Facebook has issued not one, but two responses to on their like official news release page. And they've, they've had to go into like full on, you know, mode kind of uh, re- responding to things. Um, the, the most damning part was basically that Alex Stamos, who's now the former head of security for Facebook, started started to see weird things, wanted to investigate things and was basically he wasn't told you can't look into this. But he was definitely discouraged from looking into this. And and even his own clarifications and, and kind of response to the reporting in the New York Times didn't really make anything look any better. It was basically, I was told to kind of don't look into this, don't make a big stink about it because it's going to make us look bad. And so it was one of those things where this, you, you wonder, um, it, it seems like there was a very much a willful uh, act of, of not wanting to find out anything and take any sort of culpability or responsibility for things that might happen. It was really a literally like, I don't want to see this closing my eyes. Don't look into this. Don't look into this. And, right. and so when the Cambridge Analytica scandal and, and some of the other um, uh, things then came uh, out later on, um, you know, everybody's wondering how could this have happened? How could you not have known? And in this case, the answer is kind of, well, the people who were looking into this and who eventually brought things forward were heavily discouraged by the board and by uh, Sheryl Sandberg is, is the intuition, you know, um, um, that that's what's intuited in, in the story uh, yeah. to um, not not research this, not, 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 not go into things and, and, right. and uh, keep up, you know, turn a blind eye to, to, to the terrible things that are happening. But this is what, in my opinion, made this even worse, Christina. Yeah. Um, and also we've got to get into how they responded to this because their actions in this last week make every bit of the story worse. But what, what I found really frustrating here is the entire time, Facebook, rather than own up to Russia purchasing ads in rubles and directly violating campaign finance law uh, through their site, rather than address that, which seems like the good play to do, they are choosing to hire this definer's company to go dig up dirt on Google, to go dig up dirt yep. on Twitter, and then back-channel that to reporters. So their response to finding out that Russians were trying to influence our election was to go point the finger at Google yes. rather than fix their own problems, which to me, I, I don't want to use a really loaded word like treasonous, but it is, it's, it's, it's really, really concerning on a on a, a very serious level. Yeah, I mean, one of the 
I, yeah, I don't know if I would go as far as treasonous in, in this no, case for, no, for the Russia treason, stuff. No, it's not treason, but it's I will very say, concerning. Uh, yeah. I, I will say what, what's to me the most sickening stuff, and, and, and there was there have been other reports, you know, the BBC also had kind of a blockbuster report going more into this. You know, the United Nations has stated that uh, Facebook was complicit and played an instrumental role in the genocide in Myanmar. Yes, um, yes. And, and the company ignored it. Yeah. And to me, that's the thing I kind of can't get over because it's one thing and it's terrible and I'm in no way diminishing um, the, the role that in uh, and, and the, the truly terrible role when you have, uh, you know, um, uh, people uh, in, in, in other countries um, or, or any country, you know, um, uh, messing with democracy and, and meddling with elections like that can have truly catastrophic cons- consequences. But when you're literally talking about, you know, becoming an instrument of government propaganda to, uh, uh, and ethnic cleansing, which is which is how the New York Times phrased this, that beca- that that goes on another level. When you're literally, I mean, yeah. you're, you're literally when you are complicit with genocide, and your response is to be like, "Oh, don't look at us." Right. I don't know how. I, I, I like I, I, I don't have a response to what are we supposed to do as global citizens. Right. And, you know, even going beyond the, the genocide and to be very specific about what happened, their military uh, targeted their own citizens, like stirred up uh, basically racial hatred. And I forget the exact number. It's either 1,200 or 1,800 people uh, are now refugees. Yep. Right? So you've got, you have a genocide and you have this and you have Facebook who chose, chose chose, made the decision to look the other way and not get involved. And Christina, this is where I keep thinking about this quote from Tim Cook the other day, which I thought was so perfectly said. You know, he said, you know, technology doesn't want to be good. It doesn't want to be evil. Technology is neutral. But technology, um, you know, we've got to start thinking about the ways it affects the world that we live in. Yes. And to me, the thing that really came out of this story that has been really reinforced this week is that Facebook fundamentally lacks a moral compass. Yes. And you can have Sheryl Sandberg, who I'm sure is a nice person, and I also want to say she's dealing with her husband's death Mm -hmm. through most of this, and I think that deserves a bit of empathy, but it's really hard to see how you can be closing your eyes at genocide and Russians directly influencing our election and believe you have a moral compass. That seems to really cross a line of losing your your humanity to me. I 1000% agree. And and I also, you know, we, we, we uh, want to touch a little bit on what Facebook's response has been and their response. And, and you mentioned Tim Cook. This was kind of an interesting aside in the article is that there was an anecdote that basically said that after Tim Cook publicly criticized Facebook, and this will become a pattern, if anybody publicly criticizes Facebook, Facebook's an immediate response is to look into them and to investigate them. Uh, the, the Soros smears came because he um, talked poorly about Facebook at Davos. Um, when Tim Cook criticized Facebook in March and said we would basically said Apple would never be in the position that Facebook was, was in re- regarding, um, you know, uh, some, some of the blowback, I think at the time it was the Cambridge Analytica stuff. Um, their response was to basically tell all high ranking executives, managers, whatever, saying, don't use iPhones, use Android devices. And in their initial response, uh, which they called New York Times Update, they basically um, said, uh, let me find this, Android, Tim Cook has consistently criticized our business model and Mark has been equally here clear he disagrees. So there's been no need to employ anyone else to do this for <laughs> us. And we've long encouraged our employees and executives to use Android because it's the most popular operating system in the world. But but the idea that that their, 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 their attempt of retaliation, which... You know, it's like like Apple cares. You know what 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 device <laughs> uh, Facebook employees use right. uh, is to base, but, but to basically then take that level. Like to me, I'm sorry if my employer is telling me I have to use a certain type of device. No, like yeah. if it's not for a security reason, if it's just because they're they're angry 
at uh, the CEO or the public comments of, of, of the company that makes the operating system. Like, that's completely ridiculous. But that just kind of shows the pettiness of their initial response. Their second response, which came out oh, as, uh, at 5 oh, p.m., literally so 5 o'clock p.m. So on a Wednesday before a holiday weekend. So this is called Bearing the Lead. It says Elliot Schrage's on Definers. And Definers was the organization that was responsible for um, spreading the smears about George Soros and doing uh, and, 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 and that sort of um, activity. And... Um, Elliot Shrages, who was the outgoing, he was already announced that he was leaving, so he's not leaving because of any of this stuff. The head of communications and policy, he basically took a fall for the company and sent out a memo explaining why they hired uh, definers, um, what did they do, did we at, did, were they asked to look into George Soros, were they asked to look at competitors, were they asked to distribute fake news, et cetera, et cetera, and basically you know, take the fall and take the blame for this whole thing. And then this is what's so stunning to me. And someone on Twitter said they'd never seen anything like this. I agree. Facebook publishes this memo. First, it was leaked to TechCrunch. And and, and uh, it should be noted that the TechCrunch reporter who leaked it um, has a, is a, a very well-connected Facebook source. And, and, I, uh, and it's my um, opinion that, that he's often um, given um, uh, stories that will make Facebook look good because he has uh, direct connections to, to, to people there. That's um, not just you that thinks that, Christina. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 well, I, I know for a fact that he has direct connections there. And he's a nice guy. I don't, I don't want to badmouth Josh, but, uh, I, but, but, I, but, I, but I'm just saying it's my opinion. I don't want to say it's factual, that, that, but it's just my opinion that Facebook uh, sees him as, as someone that they can uh, get their message across to. Um, so they initially published the memo. Uh, uh, Facebook posted it today and then added... A comment from Sheryl Sandberg basically saying, thank you for sharing this, Elliot. I want to be clear that, you know, I oversee comms and take full responsibility, but then goes on to basically, you know, say this was was Elliot's fault and, 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 and just how coincidental is it that, that he's leaving, um, it's, it's stunning to me that, I mean, the, the company's response, I don't want to hear, get your take on how it's been, but to me, it's been so completely tone deaf. It's been so completely, you know, at every single turn, um, defensive. Um, I, 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 it's like, do they not have anybody? It, I mean, given all the crises that they've been going through over the last year, given the amount of uh, bylines on this story and the amount of time it must have taken, it's not like this was new to them. It's not like they nope. were blindsided by the New York Times story. The New York Times has been writing a lot of really critical stories about things that have been going on there. I, I don't understand how their response is basically to want to nitpick over certain things and just refuse to have any sort of conversation about the culpability that the company has in in um, these these world events, but also the fact that um, you know the company is basically by its own mo doing everything it can to go after anyone who attacks it and to make itself look as good as possible and to manipulate um, politicians from whatever side of the aisle they might be in order to to have free reign to do the things that they want to do. No, I think that's it's dead on, Christina. And I think uh, you know two things we didn't talk about that happened this week is uh, you know Mark Zuckerberg had an all hands on meeting at Facebook where his employees got to ask questions. And to me, this is the most disturbing part of the entire story. You know, Mark Zuckerberg has gone on record saying he feels like Facebook is at war. Uh, he's basically he feels he is the victim. He feels that all of this is going to blow over. And he sees it as a PR crisis instead of being like a, a fundamental problem with the company and uh, the way that they make decisions. And, you know, to me, this is why I don't see a way forward to solve this problem other than really heavily regulating Facebook. And I don't, I'm not a pro-regulation person right. with technology. I'm Same. not. Same, but, 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 but yeah, I don't it's, it's, see what any else other is way happen. forward. They're not going to change. They're not aware of the problem. They don't care. Uh, well, well, you know what it is, They Christina? actively I've, don't want to be aware of the problem, which I, almost makes it worse. I, I've been very open about my trip through rehab for ambient addiction in, uh, God, this is back in 2002. 
And it strikes me the exact same way it is when someone has a problem with substance abuse and they've got a thousand reasons why they're not, it's not really a problem and they're misunderstood and everything is just hunky dory. And that is exactly where Facebook is. And they're just not able to understand that this isn't just them sinking the company. This is them really harming the world. Yeah. And when we get to a point of them doing nothing about a genocide, when it's being reported and people are begging them to do things, that's when it gets bad. And one more thing. I was talking this week on Twitter, like, do you think Facebook is the biggest threat to democracy in the world? And a Mm -hmm. lot of people agreed with me. They were also mentioning the role of WhatsApp in India and spreading misinformation there. You know, WhatsApp is also owned by Facebook. So the problem here is any company that comes along and tries to challenge Facebook, they're just going to buy. And we're going to have the same rotten leadership at the helm. So, you know, I I really don't think it's an exaggeration to say the continued health of our democracy really counts on us doing something about Facebook. I, I agree. And and I, uh, you know, I'm someone who is, is in general not a fan of, of regulation of tech companies because I generally think that it doesn't do any good and, um, and, and, and can hurt innovation while at the same time not actually improving the things that need to be regulated. But looking at this, I, I don't see... Um, any other uh, response? Because as you said, uh, the company uh, seems unwilling to to want to change, um, un- un- unwilling to want to be aware of the problem. And, you know, this isn't a leadership thing. Um, ultimately, my only, I want to say a final thing about Sheryl Sandberg, in no way do I want to absolve her of, of any, um, you know, any, any of her complicity in this, because she's absolutely complicit. I do get a little bit worried. Zuckerberg, um, uh, basically, you know, he's chairman of the board and he, um, because of the amount of shares that he has, he has full uh, voting control of the board. So he's never going to be ousted as CEO. Um, he, he, he's, you know, unless he was willing to do it himself. He's not stepping down. And Farhad Manju of the New York Times even argued a few weeks ago that that would be the, the wrong decision. And I, I, in some ways, agree because I don't know who you would put in that would, do any better or would understand the business enough to to not somehow just, you know, let the asylum continue to be, you know, run by lunatics. Um, but I do, part of me kind of fears, it's like, is Sheryl Sandberg going to be, is she ultimately like the, the, the outgoing head of uh, communications and policy is, is falling on his sword this time, but is this ultimately going to be something that she has to take responsibility for? And in that case, not that she doesn't deserve to be held accountable but it, it, I, I would feel, I guess, it would make me feel weird if she lost her job and if her credibility was the was was what ultimately ended up, um, uh, you know, being ruined here, uh, rather than you know the person who's ultimately in charge and CEO of the company. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think you're dead on there. Um, the problem isn't Sheryl Sandberg as much as it's you know Mark Zuckerberg. the The problem with this rests at the top. Um, you know, I do think this is a really good argument about why someone that has majority uh, of shares at a company like Facebook should not be serving on the board. The purpose of the board is corporate oversight. And I know we could get into Type A shares and Type right. B shares, but you know, the entire point of a board is to protect people that invest in the company by providing an oversight role. And I would argue it's not good for any CEO of a company to not be culpable with the board. So I don't think this is a structure that is in Facebook's best interest. I also want to say, you know, Christina, you work at Microsoft. Microsoft has really benefited in the last five years from like your changes in leadership. Like I think you're on a very strong path now. You're, you're putting out much better devices and you know, Microsoft, I saw this at build this year. It's a better place to work. Like it's a, it's the new Microsoft. I think that Facebook could make changes. And, you know, I use Facebook every day as someone running for office and it is a good tool in many ways. I just think this dark side is never going to be reined in under these current leaders. I agree with you. I agree with you. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. So Pingdom is brilliant because it helps keep your sites and the sites that you love 
online. And by sites that, that you love, we're clearly not talking about Facebook. Uh, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about, we're talking about other good sites. And so how Pingdom works is that it monitors your site so that you don't have to and it offers real time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. And like, let's face it, the internet is awesome, but stuff breaks all the time. I mean, like, I know that even just my personal side project websites break a lot. And Pingdom actually detects around 13 million outages every month, which is more than 400,000 outages every day. So it doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need alerts about critical website issues. And Pingdom will even let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, it'll track and analyze your website's load times so that you can see what's affecting user experience. So if you have a site of any size, you you need Pingdom, and Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is your URL that you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code ROCKET at checkout and get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of the show and RelayFM. That was a good ad read. Thank you that very much. That was really good. That was not. That was that was good. <laughs> I'm no Simone, but uh, what what what, what I can I know. say? Simone should be on notice. Like <laughs> she's got she's got competition coming in. <laughs> uh, my my reads are less fun for sure, but uh, yes. I, uh, uh, I, uh, I'm I'm decent at reading a teleprompter. <laughs> actually, that's not true. I'm actually I've become very good at reading a teleprompter. So when I have to read a script, it's kind of the same thing. Do you have one at 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 Microsoft? I do. You do your videos really? I do. Yeah. So I write. I need to develop that skill. Yeah. yeah. So I write scripts and then I use the teleprompter. And when I do the stuff for Microsoft Learn, it's the same thing. And and it's actually uh I I used the teleprompter before I came to Microsoft, but not that extensively. And it's become something I've become really good at using. So uh, but it, it, you're right. It's a totally different skill set. But um, I uh, I recommend it, especially if you're going to be doing um, ad reads or, or other things a lot and want to seem natural. Because um, it it's uh, it's something I didn't realize would be beneficial in a lot of ways. But a lot of people yeah. seem like, oh, you can read off a teleprompter really well. You just want to be the person who does this. And I'm like, <laughs> Sure. Oh my gosh, I need to work on that skill for my uh, political ads this cycle. Anyway, let's not talk about political stuff. Let's talk about Tesla. Yes. So, this was a. Can I introduce this story? Is Please that okay, do. Because you discovered this on Twitter and I love it. I love it. this story. I love this story. So, okay, here's the ending of the story. Uh, the man, uh, this man that had it, <laughs> that bought a Tesla. Uh, was basically given complete control of the Tesla forums with 1.5 million people. He wrote to Tesla saying, hey, uh, can you note in your file that I'm a Tesla owner so I can post here more than once a day? And uh, they turned him into the owner of the entire forums. Yep. And he had access to things like being able to install a supercharger on his street <laughs> and being able to look up the, like when everyone logged in, into this, uh, being able to look up their email addresses, like just having a ridiculous amount of personal information on Tesla owners. But that's the end of the story. Let's back up for a bit. So a lot of people uh, have really had a positive uh, you know, experience with their Tesla. I know a lot of people, they absolutely love theirs. And even though it is true that the Model 3 has had a lot of um, you know, issues with uh, quality as it's come out of the factory, uh, you know, a lot of people have a good experience. This guy was not one of them. Uh, they sold him a car. He put down a deposit. Uh, they promised him this. They promised him that. It didn't come in. He had it in writing. He was trying to basically get what he paid for. Uh, Tesla ended up like uh, the roof was broken when he got it. Uh, as they were repairing his roof, they broke different parts of his car, and they wouldn't give him uh, basically this uh, lifetime LTE coverage for his car that he wanted. And he's going back and forth and telling all these, uh, you know, basically complaining about it in the forums. And in the course of it, they made him the owner. This is kind of a funny story. But at the heart of it, and I'd love to know what you think, Christina, at the heart of it, this to me is a story about Tesla not being a very well-managed company. So, I mean, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's really interesting because Tesla has that 
Apple-like fanaticism where the yep. fans will literally defend anything about it. Like, no matter how terrible the situation is, the response usually uh, on the forums and from the users is that it's your fault. You're holding it wrong, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, with, with Apple stuff, you know, that can make me roll my eyes sometimes. But the but by and large, Apple is a well-run company. So you can be annoyed that people will maybe overlook some of the company's flaws. But you can kind of trust that the company will usually do the right thing customer service-wise. What's interesting about Tesla to me is that the company is clearly, you know, not in a position to scale the way that it, that it needs to. They don't have their stuff together. When when you are when you're calling and being at, okay, first of all, to have to call to be listed as a Tesla owner on the forum, there you know there should be some way of like verifying something like when you register your car or something that you can enter in a code. Like this shouldn't be a, a thing that you should have to call customer service for. And when they put in the IT request, IT's response is to make the person the forum owner. Um, I mean, that's just hilarious. But but it also, I mean, the other kind of things that he detailed in his experience, which are more nitpicky, but if you're spending the amount of money he's spending on a car, I definitely think are are uh, not great about, you know, trying to to, to, to get the, the deals that he's been promised and, and the issues of, of hearing mixed things from people, you know, at the dealerships and whatnot. And um, I, I agree with you. I think that coupled with the delays um, in production and the other stuff, it shows that this is a company that it's it's interesting. Like people want to give it a pass of being a startup, but this is a public company that is worth billions of dollars. That is, you know, trying to take on the biggest players in auto. Um, you don't get a pass, in my opinion, just because you don't have a lot of experience. It's like it's it's been a decade plus. Like running get, a get your stuff together doesn't seem impossible, Christy. No, no, it doesn't. Like, well, that's what like, I'm saying. I mean, that's achievable, it, right? Well, I, I will yeah. say. <laughs> In slight defense of Tesla, I'm not convinced, at least for the running the forum angle, that say if you were talking about Ford or Porsche or someone else, they would. I don't think they would give you admin access. I would hope, but I also feel like they probably they don't even have forums for the most part, official ones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Porsche definitely doesn't. No, um, well, no, they, yeah. they don't do the official kind of like new way of even communicating with stuff. So I don't know if I would trust any legacy car maker to be able to run forums and do that sort of stuff well either. Like, I really don't. But this, I think, when you sell yourself as we're this really innovative and technically advanced company, and then you can't do this stuff, and, and, and you know, you, you, you do have security holes on things that are as dumb as your, your web forum, um, but it still has a lot of personally identifiable information on people, um, and, and, and you don't do a good job of, of you know, provoking access uh, when people leave the company or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I think that it kind of points to like kind of larger scaling issues, which we've we've talked a lot about um, with regard to uh, uh, Tesla. I yeah, I think you're dead on with that. the The question to me really is: Can Tesla make their customer service experience as good as Porsche or Mercedes faster than? Porsche and Mercedes can put out electric vehicles. Right. That is really the question about the future of uh, Tesla. And, you know, we've talked about this on the show. In my opinion, the Porsche uh, protocol for charging electric cars, it's better. They yeah. basically have swapped the voltage and the, you know, the amperes and, you know, it's going to go much, much, much faster uh, as far as charging your car. Um, you know, I, I will say when I purchased my Porsche, it was not a great experience, but all of that had to do with the fact that I was like one of the few, I got the impression I was the first person that ever tried to do things like to connect my car to my smartphone or, right. you know, set up GPS position. Like no one else had ever cared about that stuff before. Uh, so yeah, I I I don't want to blast Tesla because I I recently I've talked to so many people that really really like their car and I do no, think they're making yeah. really good strides as far as re- helping people repair older models and you know, they're moving in the right direction. Well, that yeah. that that's the thing, right? Is that um you know I don't disagree that I think some of the legacy car makers, especially Porsche, uh, you know, who, who's such a huge player, um, uh, with, you know, in, in, um, in European automotive and, and they're, they're, they're making strides. Ford is, you know, investing a, a ton of money. Um, uh, you know, the, this, uh, the, the, the Japanese are, are, you know, really in this too. Um, 
there might be tech, better technical solutions, but what makes Tesla and, and Apple is similar in this way, right? Is that it's not necessarily that the tech is the best, it's that its implementation is so much better than everyone else's that you want to use it. Um, yeah. You know, the, the interface of, of, of a Tesla is is far better than the interface um, of a lot of the other car types, uh, as you said. Do you think so? Do you I, think I do. So? I do. I mean, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't used them extensively. Obviously, I don't drive, but I've been in a Tesla. I really like, you know, how things are laid out. And, and um, I think that the other systems are getting better, but they don't, you know, it's, it's taken them a long time. Like they don't hire, you know, software UI people the same way. Um, you know, Tesla uh, has been really innovative with the over-the-air updates um, for all of their, uh, uh, you know, uh, cars and, and adding new features that way. Um, uh, people really love how the, the, the cars feel, the fit, the finish. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, a aspect of, it, as you said, they're thinking about people connecting their phones to these things from the get-go. I mean, that, you know, your, your phone is your key um, for, for, for a Tesla and a large a part of things. Like an app is a key part of the experience and, and in finding um, uh, charging stations and whatnot. And so um, it's very different than kind of the technical approach from a lot of the legacy car makers, which is getting better, but they still treat it as, as an ad hoc thing, right? Yeah. Um, whereas I think, you know, Tesla's been innovative because from the very beginning, they were kind of like... What would we do if we were designing a car for kind of current people and 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 and, and for the future? Um, and and that I have to give them credit for that. Uh, so it, it's it's a shame that the company seems to be run so poorly uh, because the product itself, although not perfect, and and although I think that a lot of the fans go out of their way to absolve the company of their sins, um, is by all accounts a really good product. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I mean, I think Teslas are made more for people like you than me. And I mean that in the oh, most totally. complimentary sense. Oh, no. I mean, it, people like my husband would hate a Tesla because he doesn't have control over it, right? Like he loves right. an engine. Like you're the same way. Like you yep. want to be able to, to feel it. Whereas me, yeah, I if I drove... I would want something that was as pretty and as sleek and as like easy. Minimalistic. Totally. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. I don't want to think about it. Like I want it to drive me around. Like that's my idea of something. Whereas if I know for a lot of car enthusiasts, self-driving cars, well, electric cars in general are, are a big kind of blow because they don't like getting rid of, you know, regular engines. But uh, self-driving cars is like, what are you talking about? Why would I ever want anyone else to drive for me? So... Um, oh, that's exactly it. And you know, for me, it's like sometimes when driving too fast around a corner, it's like, how aggressively can I push it? And you, like, you feel this little bit of turn in your car, and it's like that sensation is the entire fun. That's like a cockpit that is, I mean, it's really laid out for that kind of tactile feedback. That's not a Tesla. And I think it's to their, their credit. Like Tesla sells a lot more Model 3s than Porsche sold Boxsters last year, right? Totally. Well, I mean, so, that's, and, and that, yeah. that, that's been the whole thing. And I think what, what's going to happen, though, and, and what this whole thing kind of underscores is it's like, how do you go from being a cult favorite to actually being able to keep up with the demand? And then beyond that, do you have the systems in place to keep up with all the edge cases and customer service issues that are are what you have to deal with if you're going to be a luxury car manufacturer. Yeah. Because Can I venture? Yeah, sure. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if I could venture an opinion here, this is why I would say, um, Porsche at a certain point, when they were about to die in the 90s, uh, they realized they needed to learn from other car manufacturers. So they went and they talked to Nissan about part sharing. Uh, part sharing was something that the Japanese industry had done for a long time. They brought in Nissan people and they taught them how to do it. And as a result of that, uh, the cockpit of the, the, you know, the Boxster for 1998 is pretty much the same as the, the, the 911. It uses a lot of the same parts. They worked together with another car maker and learned how to do something better to address a shortcoming. And we could go through and give, I could give a hundred different examples of the industry doing this. I wish Tesla would create a temporary partnership with some American car manufacturer that has more experience with shipping these things totally. and doing quality control. It doesn't have to be forever. Just make it a five-year deal until Tesla can like get its stuff together. But they're trying to go it alone and they're 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 failing and they're doing a lot of damage to their brand. 
I want Tesla to succeed. Right now, Christine, as we're recording this, there's the worst fire, the worst environmental disaster in California history yep. that's going on right now. And, you know, this is this is climate change. We've got to take this seriously. And I may like my Boxster, but I need to give up those keys very soon, right? Right. I want them to succeed. But they're you just can't put your head in the sand. That's not a that's not a leadership strategy. No, I I, I agree with you, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying um, in, in in the Facebook story, where I mean, it's it's interesting. In in some ways, the best thing that might ever happen to Tesla as a company might be, you know, that that Elon has had to step down from the chairmanship. Um, you know, he's still CEO, but he's no longer chairman of the board uh, because of his um, you know, idiotic tweets. Um, because that this might force you know, uh, the, the the board, it's possible they might be able to get people on the board who can maybe force some of the changes that need to happen so that, as you say, you know, maybe you know, make the company actually say, okay, even though we want to go it alone, it might make sense to partner in certain scenarios or just because our innovative ideas in, in this way are better and unique doesn't mean that we need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to, you know, um, car assembly and and uh, you know part usage and and that sort of thing um, because these are problems that have been solved by other people in the industry and and why why are we recreating things? Although I do have to say that is such a an engineering like a, an engineer's response, which is to <laughs> just build your own rather than to 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 use yep. something that's already been proven to be work. I mean that, that <laughs> yeah. is that is that is genuinely that is genuinely like the most engineered. Thing ever, like you can tell that Elon's an engineer because, of course, yes. he would just want to do everything himself and build it himself rather than use anything that that ever uh, that already existed, whether it was, uh, um, like, use whether it worked or not. <laughs> We're interesting people, <laughs> totally. All right, so um, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a slow week this week because other than all the Facebook stuff, uh, which again is why the Facebook story was so blockbusterish, but um, <laughs> it, because it is Thanksgiving, um, I kind of want to talk about uh, use this as an opportunity. Um, it, it's Thanksgiving that means it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all that stuff, and um, I did it, Bree. Uh, I told it? You, I did it. I bought a. I finally bought a play. It's been five years. I bought a PlayStation Four. Okay, I have to. First of all, defend yourself. Why did it take five years? <laughs> there have been so many good games know, on that system. I know because are you just not a, are you not playing much these days? Well, I don't have as I don't a I don't have a ton of time. But B, here's the real story. So I was a diehard like Xbox person. Like I really liked mm-hmm. the first Xbox, and and in the 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 PS3 cycle, like Xbox 360 was my jam. Like I was a really big fan, and so. When the the uh, when new consoles came out, you know, I didn't really know. I didn't have the money at the time, really, to want to invest, you know, five or six hundred dollars in either, you know, a, a, an Xbox One or a PS4. And I kind of waited, and then I wound up getting the One S when that came out. And um, you know, even though at that point it was already clear that the the, the PS4 was the way to go, then the, the 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 Switch kind of you know won my heart and whatnot. Anyway, it's just been one of those things where I was like, it's been so long even though all the best games have been on PlayStation 4, that I just didn't want to spend the money knowing, like, I was like, oh, but we're so far into the cycle. And then the cycle got longer. So in some ways, it would have made more sense a couple of years ago to, to, to get a PlayStation 4. But I didn't. And I was, uh, we talked about on the show when Spider-Man came out, I was like, am I going to buy a PS4 just for Spider-Man? <laughs> and, and I, but, but like, but then that's like a hard thing to justify because you're like, am I really going to spend $300 for one game? Spider-Man is good. It's not that good. Uh, I mean, it's good. But, but, but yeah. you know what it is good enough for? One game and then all the other things. So there's like a current deal. Uh, if When you're listening to this, uh, which which will probably be Saturday uh, because we're going to be edited a little bit late um, because of uh, the holiday, um, this deal will probably be gone, but you might have been able to, to, to snag it if you did. Uh, congrats. Um a bunch of different retailers in the U.S. are selling the PlayStation 4 Slim, the one terabyte edition, with uh, Spider-Man bundled with it for two hundred dollars. Wow! So that's a really good deal. Yeah, so it's a hundred dollars less than the PS4 Slim by itself is, and then you get the sixty dollars game. So for me, at that point, when I was like, okay, I would not spend three hundred and fifty dollars, three hundred sixty dollars on this like that's dumb even with the the backlog of titles but i will spend 200 and then they have all these other sales and i'm like oh good i'm finally gonna get to play last of us like on my own i'm finally gonna get to 
you know, um, <laughs> like, because I haven't played that in years and, and you know, get, get the sequel. I'm finally going to get to, you know, play all these other like really good exclusives. It is the slim. It's not the pro. My feeling on that, this is where I was like, look, I already have Red Dead on Xbox. Um, I know the graphics are better on the pro. I know they look amazing. I have a 4K TV. I don't care. And at this point, I will, I, I am like, okay, we are so close to another cycle. I'm not spending like the extra $200, <laughs> whatever, You're to, not to, to, to get the 4K graphics, especially since like I was watching a lot of comparisons. Like the one, the, the Xbox One X, there are a number of games and kind of all the future stuff is really taking advantage of the better graphic capabilities. From what I've seen, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe this is just me reaching because I didn't want to spend more money. So many of the good PlayStation 4 games came out before the Pro and yep. the differences aren't so huge that it's like, you know, you're you're losing out on anything. You're dead know. on. You've got 4K TV. I don't. There's literally no reason for me to do it. You could tell a difference if you sat really close to your TV. If you're on your couch, you'll never notice it. And you're not going to do PlayStation VR. So I think you made a good financial decision this time, Christina. For <laughs> once. proud of you. For yes. once, Christina made once a good financial decision. For once, once on Christina made a, a good financial decision. Um, in bad financial decisions, iTunes has been having a bunch of sales. And because of this Movies Anywhere <laughs> service, which will basically copy your digital movie library from like across multiple services. So like it'll like uh, all titles except for things that belong to Lionsgate, MGM, and Paramount will show up. Uh, reciprocally in other libraries. So if I buy a movie on iTunes, then it'll show up in Amazon and on Google and on Vudu and um, and uh, Microsoft's store, which is great because you can have access to to more and more of your movies, more places. But I've spent like ridiculous amounts of money on titles that I already own, usually already own also <laughs> on Blu-ray. Um, so it's just to save me from from ripping the the discs and and, and to save me from being lazy to have to get up off my butt. And and find them on the wall. I mean, it's it's so dumb, but uh, but what can I, I say? It. Yeah, I love it. No, I think I think that's good. Uh, before we we go on, I've got to ask you: What games are you going to get for it? What are you interested in playing? <sighs> okay, so obviously, Spider Man is the thing I'm going to be spending uh, most of uh, my uh, my, my, so my Friday. Pumped about Spider Man, uh, the the every video I saw was just great. The the fact that the, the detail of just making it look so much like New York City was good, and I've just. I, I I've always liked the Spider-Man kind of franchise and like, I don't know. I just, that one really spoke to me. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a good game. I really like this version of Mary Jane. She's great. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I, I've kind of played all of Insomniac's titles leading up to this. So I feel like I've played this game a lot, but you know, if you didn't play like uh, infamous and you know, like all their other, uh, you know, open world games, it's, it's probably a very fresh experience. Yeah. And I haven't, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, the new Tomb Raider um, is like 30 bucks right now uh, for a, for, for, for PlayStation. So I did do that. It's a good uh, game. I think the one before it is a little better, but it's it's definitely a good game. Yeah, it's and I and, and I've yeah. played and I've played the one before, so I'm definitely like, but 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 I'm excited about that. And then um, I, uh, I, I I don't know. I, it, again, some of like I guess like the the, the classics and stuff of, the, of things that I haven't been able to play on PS4 before. What would you say? Like, what's the first thing that I should get? Like, what's the so well, I don't know if you'll love this or not, but Danganronpa is a really unbelievably good story. It is an unbelievably good story. And it's only gotten more prescient with the events since the uh, since Trump was elected. It's basically about a group of people that are determined to plunge the world into despair. And it's a big visual novel about that. It's a really, really, really good story. You know, I care about all 16 of those characters like so deeply. I cannot even begin to tell you. That's a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, and that's a really, really good game. Uh, Peggle, if you haven't played Peggle 2, that's really a great couch yeah. game. I yeah, I've I, I played that, uh, I guess it was on iPad or whatever, but I definitely yeah. am looking forward to doing that on a PlayStation. You, you told me to get that. I definitely will because I love Peggle. Do you uh, like, um, like games you can play on your couch with I do. Uh, Grant? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. he doesn't have to be part of it, but yeah, that's nice. Uh, so Towerfall is a really fun game. It's kind of a 16-bit style. 
and it's two people in an arena and you're jumping up and down uh, with this arrow. You can only shoot one arrow slowly at a time and it kind of arcs. And it's this like death match in an arena. And it's a really, really fun fighting game that's that great mix of uh, it's accessible so anyone can play it. But there's also like a higher level game, like if you're really into it, that you can learn. Okay. Okay. And yeah, and I'm just, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, uh, there's also like Amazon also has like 50% or no, $20 off PlayStation Plus or whatever. So I'm, you know, I'm going all in on this thing. I'm still, I think, going to prefer Xbox um, and not just because of, of where I work, but just because I, you know, it's I don't a great know. system. It is a great it's system. A and, system. I, and I, and I, I yeah. like their, I like their UI. I've always, I've always been an Xbox person in a lot of ways. Um, but I am, uh, I am excited to finally have a PS4 and I, I could, I just couldn't say no on the price. It was just one of those things. It was just like, fine, take my money, do it. Yeah. We'll do yeah. it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, so I'm excited about that. Uh, Bree, are you making any, uh, any purchases, uh, on, are you looking for any deals? Um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday? I will admit I took today off to play video games. Nice. Uh, it was my first day off in three weeks from my campaign. Good for you. So uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, I am working my way through uh, Let's Go Eevee. Uh, so how do you feel about this, Christy? Are you Team Eevee or are you Team Pikachu? Oh, I'm Team Pikachu. Absolutely. Oh, how can you say that? I don't know. I think it's just... I. I, I don't know. I grew up loving Pikachu. I don't know. I mean, Eevee's a great character, don't get me wrong, but just... Pika Pika. I, I don't know. I, yeah, okay. I mean, no one dislikes Pikachu. Like, you'd have to be a monster to be like, you know who I don't like? Pikachu. I'm Team Eevee. I'll own it. Uh, so I'm playing my way through that. It's a super, super simple game. So you know what it feels like? Um, if you play a mo- modern, full-fledged Pokemon game, like Pokemon Sun and Moon, it is a, I mean, it's legit hardcore RPG. And then you've got Pokemon Go, which is baby Pokemon, right? right. Um, this is a remake of Pokemon Yellow back on Game Boy, yes. like the OG. Yeah, which, like, which was the Game exact Boy. same, which was the exact same game as Red and Blue. It just had, right. uh, you could unlock Pikachu, which, exactly. uh, which, which made, I remember this because there was a special, um, uh, uh, yellow Pikachu edition of the Game Boy Color. Uh, Christmas of 99 and um, parents were like, like I worked at the electronics boutique and like parents were getting into fights over the system because there were so few <laughs> copies. And keep in mind, this was doubly bad because a Pokemon was at its, was at its Zenith, but the Game Boy Color, there had been an earthquake in India or someplace where they were uh, doing the production. And so they didn't, Nintendo didn't have as many consoles to sell as they needed. And so yep. you had this 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 you know perfect storm of of the um you know Game Boy suddenly being like way more popular than anybody was expecting the Game Boy Color being hugely successful and then um you know them having shortages of systems so yeah. yes I uh, I remember so Pokemon you're Yellow very well with it. yes I, I love am it. Um, so this game is really good. It's not a full fledged Pokemon game, and the entire time I'm playing it, I'm like. Where's the substance? Because it really split the difference between a real Pokemon game and Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. But you're wandering through the world. You're in the exact same map. You're talking to the exact same people. And the graphics are really, really what sells it. Uh, like Team Rocket in this game, they look exactly like they did in the uh, the children's cartoon in the 90s. Um, and it's just really, really beautiful animation. Like Evie is so adorable as she's like on your head through the whole game. Aww. It's just, it's, it's a really in a world that's so cynical and depressing right now. This is like pure joy. So, okay. I um, might, I might check yeah. that out because that does sound good. And the thing is, I, 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 I in a lot of ways kind of credit like the success of Twitch plays Pokemon. Yeah. For this, because I think that kind of awakened the nostalgia that then led up to, you know, Pokemon Go and all the other things that really have people um, and, you know, Twitch watches Pokemon and all that stuff. Like, I really feel like that's played a big role in, in kind of um, resurfacing this this uh, nostalgia for a better time when, when, <laughs> when the world was not so bleak. Yes. True story. Anyway. 
It's a good game. It's a good game. Um, all right. Good so, uh, it, it, are, uh, are you going to be doing anything else uh, for, for for the holiday? Playing more games? Uh, I know you've got a bunch of uh, campaign stuff to work on, but yeah, uh, I'm going to Silicon Valley next week. Uh, so I'm going to be at Lost Con in LA, um, and I'm spending a few days in Palo Alto and San Francisco. I'm going to hang out with our friend Jason Snell. Nice. Going to say hey to a uh, bunch of friends down there. Uh, if you're a rocket lister, like uh, shoot me a message on Twitter at Brianna Wu. I can't promise I'll get back to you, but uh, you know, there's a little bit of time left on my schedule. We'll see if we can hang out. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, and we're, we're going, I guess, yeah. we're, we're going into, we, we're skipping into the what are you doing this week segment. Yes. And exactly. uh, so, so what are, so, so that's what Bree is doing uh, this next week. I am going, I'm, so I'm, Going to be uh, taking, you know, tomorrow off as we record this Thanksgiving off, uh, although I have some work to do. I'm going to be working on Friday. I'm probably going to be working through the weekend because I have a bunch of international travel um, coming up and I have some deadlines for uh, getting some talks together. So I will be in Helsinki on December 2nd through second, third, and fourth, and then I'm leaving the morning of the fifth um, for a, a startup conference called Slush. Um, and uh, if, if you are in Finland, in the Helsinki area, whether you're going to be at Slush or not, um, hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to see if we could like make something work, you know, if, if, if there, because I, I need to know the area. So uh, if, if there's a drinks thing that could work out, that would be awesome. Um, and then I'm going to be going from Finland to uh, Berlin, and I'm going to be uh, doing the first stop at the, the Microsoft Ignite, the tour, uh, which is uh, basically our Ignite conference, but we are taking aspects of that and, and bringing it to um, uh, like 17 cities around the world. And I'm going to be going to six of these, and the first one kicks off in Berlin on December 6th, but I'm going to get it on the 5th. And then I will be leaving Berlin um, on, I guess, like the 8th to fly to Sao Paulo. And I'll be in Sao Paulo for the second stop of the Ignite tour. Um, and then I will be coming back to the United States like the 14th or 15th. So oh um, it's a Good lot of travel. To you. Good no, I mean, it's, it's a lot you. of travel. No, because like my, my flight to Helsinki, because uh, I, I have to fly to Amsterdam and then there's a layover and then I fly to uh, uh, Helsinki. That's like 17 hours. Um, oh it, it's a super, super, super short flight, you know, to, to Berlin. That's not a big deal. But then to go from Berlin to um, uh, Sao Paulo, that's another one of those like, you know, like 17 hour flight days because I have to fly from Berlin to Paris and then Paris to Sao Paulo. Um, oh. And then fly from Sao Paulo to Detroit, Detroit to Seattle. So it's it's a I'm going to be spending a lot of time on airplanes. So I would like listeners, <laughs> if you have book suggestions for me, because here's the thing: some of the flights have Wi-Fi. My flight, for instance, from um, uh, the United States from Seattle to um, Amsterdam has Wi-Fi, but I know it's going to be terrible. So I'm not even really counting on that. But I I know it's going to be bad. Uh, my flight from um, uh, uh, Paris to uh, Sao Paulo does not. Um, and my flight from Sao Paulo to Detroit does, but again, I'm sure it's going to be slow. So if you have like book suggestions, things that I should read or movies, things that I should watch, let me know because I'm going to have literally like 40 hours. Oh my God. You know, of, of time. Yeah. Are you flying coach? I mean, <laughs> no, get free. you're not as tall as I am. So that's uh, less uh, No, critical. I'm not. I, yes. Here's the thing. I, I, uh, I am absolutely not. I, in most cases, <laughs> Um, would would want to be all about like, let's make this as economical as possible. But uh, my company, I'm in a very privileged position. They say, you know, you can apply business if it's more than X hours long, if your flight is more than X hours long. Um, all of my flights are. So I'm flying business class. Um, and oh, good uh, for you. Good yeah. For you. Well, look, when you're talking about literally like having you know, when my shortest flight is, is, is a connection and then I still have a layover. But when I'm talking about multiple like... I'm talking like three, like 10 hour plus flights. And then I have, um, you know, one that's like five hours. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just, no, like I'm not, I'm not sitting on a, it. One of my flights, <laughs> one of my flights is like 12 hours long. Like, I'm not oh. doing, like, I'm not doing that. Like I'm, I, 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 uh, I am not sitting in a coach seat or premium economy seat for 12 hours. I'm just not like, 
All I just, right. well, you know, we will, we will, we're, we're rooting for you, Christina. Thank you. Thank <laughs> so. you. But yeah, but, but, uh, but, but a shout out to listeners. If you're going to be in, um, Helsinki, Berlin or, uh, Sao Paulo at the time that I am, like hit me up on Twitter. Um, if there's a way that we could, uh, you know, um, get together, that would be great. Uh, you know, do, do a drinks or something. And, and obviously, uh, Rocket will supply. If you see me in person, I will buy you a drink, uh, of your choice. Um, I, I but because I am going to be there for work, I won't have a ton of downtime, but I'd love to, to see people if that's a possibility. And uh, people on Twitter tweet me um, suggestions for uh, movies um, or uh, uh, TV shows or books that I should uh, read because I'm going to have a lot of time. Um, or games for the, the Switch that I should play. That That's an option, too. Um, Brianna, where can people find you on Twitter? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Brianna Wu. Woo! Oh, my God. That feels so weird to say. It does feel weird. I don't. I don't don't know. I don't know. It feels. mm, I don't know if I like it. I mean, I do. I don't either. I I hate it, but this is a price I'm willing to pay. No, it's the right move. It's the correct move, and I'm proud of you for making it. I'm also. Oh, you're always going to be. You know, a space cat gal in my heart. Um, (laughs) Okay. So so I I I am glad that you maintain that uh that you were that you were all um I uh I kind of want you to make it an alt account where like you just tweet like some of your pop culture i know thoughts. right like um, make it the video game account for everything i talk about yeah honestly honestly, honestly, un- yeah. honestly you should you should consider doing that because i think that would be awesome Actually, listeners tell me what you think yeah tell me yeah, think. Uh, yeah. L- let her know at brianna Wu uh what she should do with the space cat gal account <laughs> um and uh you can find me at film underscore girl on the twitters and the instagrams and the snapchats uh, i'm never on snapchat um, I am going to try to be, uh, you know, doing some vlogging and some, um, uh, you know, Instagram storying while I am um, abroad because why not? Um, but yeah, but but let me know suggestions on the stuff that I should uh, uh, read, uh, watch and uh, play um, while I'm on the air. You can find uh, Simone uh, when she's not sick. You can find her. Oh, you can find the work that I do at Microsoft at uh, YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. You can find Simone when she's not sick and when she is being a total badass at uh, uh, Doom Quasar on Twitter. And uh, you can find her um, videos at YouTube.com slash Polygon. Uh, all right. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to say, Brie, before we... Uh... What does Simone always say here? Blah, blah, blah. Review the oh, show. Yes. See, something. I was going to miss that. I was yeah. going to miss that. I, thank you, Brie. Um, see, we need <laughs> without Simone, this whole thing falls apart. If you liked this episode of Rocket, uh, please uh, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts uh, and and, uh, write a review while you're there. It really helps us out. Uh, Thank you to Pingdom for sponsoring this week's episode. This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. 